Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Uh, okay, so that turned into an hour conversation. Good job, everybody. Wow, yeah, I was not expecting that. Ugh, it's funny, you know, walking around in the sun outside my office, it just, you know, time slips away. <laughs> Are we billing somebody right now? Welcome to the Touchlines and Touchdowns podcast, the world's first and therefore greatest football football mashup podcast, a part of the Touchline Media Group Check them out at touchlinefraca.co.uk. I'm your host, Asa Smith, with you, as always, to talk about things that happen on football fields and football pitches. Those are different things, but often are similar, at least uh, at the American high school level. Uh, we've got a great episode for you. We, uh, we spend in a full hour talking about the U.S. men's national team player pool with good friends Kevin and uh, ben, and then a quick recap of the weekend with a uh, longtime friend of the pod, Angus. Uh, this episode is brought to you by the Anchor app, as well as the Smith Workforce Management Group for all of your NIL, employment law, business law, corporate law needs. Check out the Smith Workforce Management Group, smithworkforce.com. Let's get right into it with uh, good friends, Ben and Kevin, as well as our, as always, our co-host, Greg. How's it going, Coach Ben? It's going very well, Mr. Smith. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Are, are you using a new microphone? No, just my just my old iPhone. Ah, uh, all right. Well, uh, how's your uh, how's your week been? Doing uh, doing a lot of fun stuff this weekend because we're totally recording on Sunday like we normally do. <laughs> right. It's been an amazing weekend. Not totally not a Wednesday. It's definitely not Wednesday, and I'm definitely not currently watching uh, Manchester United fall apart. You should be watching Juve. Juve. How, have you, how do you say that? Juve? Juve? I don't know. Juve? Juve. Not, not with an H. With it's a, like with a half J, half H thing. Juve. Juventus. <laughs> <laughs> Is this like the family guy? Cool whip. 
<laughs> Hugh Ventus. Why are you pronouncing the H? Um, all right. So uh, we're, we're hopefully waiting on our, our good friend, Kevin, but let's, uh, let's get right into it on this uh, lovely, again, Sunday afternoon, not at all Wednesday. Um, uh, are we going to Bomani this? <laughs> yep. Uh, so we are, we are recording this uh, a little bit early because it works out for everybody and uh, scheduling is not our strong suit. Um, but uh, Ben, we're, we're a week out from, uh, from the, the window being done. Everybody's back at their clubs. Um, but have you had a chance to amalgamate the window ratings? Well, I have all three of them up, but I have not like actually sat down and compiled them all into like a review thing. Seeing as this isn't my actual job, I have you know real work to do sometimes. Mm. It sounds it's like <laughs> right. If somebody wants to pay me a living wage to do this, I'm happy to. But uh, until that point, this is America. You don't get a living wage. <laughs> I read a crazy, this is super uh, on, on point and focus, but I read a crazy story today where uh, a manager wanted to fire someone because that person didn't get paid for like three straight pay periods and they complained about it. <laughs> did you see the, uh, do you follow, there's a, a Twitter account called like dudes posting their W's. Yep. Yeah. There was a guy who got, uh, got fired from his job because he hadn't gone in six years. Yes, they, they didn't. They didn't notice until they gave like an award. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was the what is it? Twenty years of loyal service. And yes. they showed up and it's like an empty desk, and it was like, hold on, Jorge's been, Jorge's been screwing us for the. Uh, uh, and I'm not just like making up that name. He, yeah, I believe it was, it was in Spain. I think yeah, it was either Spain or Portugal. But yeah, it was pretty cool. It was pretty awesome. So, so it could be Jorge, as the Portuguese pronounce the J. Yes. Which Good. Is we're, just, learning, we're learning languages here. But specifically the letter J. This, <laughs> we this have episode, had a lot of problems with the J thus far. This episode, in addition to being brought to you by our normal sponsors, is brought to you by the letter J. Shout out to Sesame Street. I was going to say, is this Sesame Street now? Sure is. Uh, Kevin, are, are you with us? I am here. From, from sunny uh, Denver? I don't know if it's sunny there. It, it's almost always sunny in Denver. It's not yeah, three hundred days of sunshine a year. It's it, it is annoyingly sunny, and I'm not even saying that in a joking manner. Uh, we got like less than an inch of rain from June until October, and pretty much every day was just sunny, wall to wall. You know, for an accountant, you spend a ton of time on a mountain bike going down mountains and things. <laughs> uh, he's a contractor now; he can do as he pleases. Uh, that that's oh, correct. All right. There we go. <laughs> um, okay, so so we're gonna do sort of a uh, a, a full. You know, we we did it briefly uh, last week where we we sort of quickly went through things, but let's do like sort of a a complete review of of what just happened um, over the last window and sort of where we sit um, at each of the at each of the position groups. Um, weirdly, uh, we actually do have some some uh, controversy at keeper. Um, which I didn't think we would have, but uh, Ben, if you want to start, like, what what were your thoughts on what were your were your system thoughts on Stefan Stefan and Turner? Yeah, I mean, I was pretty much good with Turner, um, and then uh, kind of the smoothest we looked playing possession was with Stefan back there, and I don't know how much of that is just you know the team happened to play well against Costa Rica, 
versus you know what kind of uh, what kind of possession lubricant a good goalkeeper <laughs> is. Uh, you got to use the word lube as much as possible. I figured, That's, right? I think that was a cough, but it sounded it was just like a perfect timing to sound like a laugh, and I lost it. Sorry. <laughs> so, I mean, somebody somebody with more uh, tactical knowledge than I can answer that. But uh, actually, I put in a request to Bobby Warshaw. I see if you can ask Greg Greg about it. So maybe I can get like a secondhand question through to Greg Berhalter, but uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly where I stand these days. I guess at this point, I'm just kind of fine with whoever. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, uh, us getting a direct line to Greg Berhalter can only oh go poorly. But do you think some of the uh, <laughs> lubrication for the for the possession, not just because like we had a good game against Costa Rica, but also that was arguably the best um, lineup that we put out through the entire window. So maybe that had something to do with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that that's like that's an obvious, and also the fact that um, uh, Costa Rica was had an average age of sixty seven. <laughs> that that might have helped. So, so like they couldn't have really pressed. You could have gone two years higher, by the way, man. I, this is a professional podcast, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is a Lou podcast. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, I, I, that was actually, I was going to say that exact point as, as smoothly as we seem to play and as in control, it looked, there were still a couple of very obvious moments. There was that, uh, like interplay between Robinson and Richards at the back that, uh, who was it? Brian Ruiz picked off. And if it wasn't for the fact that I could beat him in a 40 yard dash, uh, that probably was a very dangerous goal score. Like, like last window, that thing's getting buried, but the man can't run anymore. Most of that team doesn't have their legs. So yeah, that 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 it's easy to look r- really quick passing the ball when you're passing it around traffic cones. <laughs> it's like it's like the uh, the Yi John Lin uh, highlight video where it's just him going against an empty chair. That's I'm not that's familiar with the video, but yeah, that's it's an interesting. Oh, reference. it got him drafted like seventh, made him like twenty million dollars or something, and, and it's it's David Kahn, right? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's one of the many sins of David Kahn. <laughs> um, so in any event, I think I think our, our general takeaway, like each of us have sort of acknowledged in one way or the other that um, like we have preferences, but those preferences are sort of not borne out necessarily by actual events. Like Greg has said pretty clearly that he's team Turner. Um, ben, I think, I think you've been sort of whoever's played last and played well. Um, Kevin, what, what was your preference, or do you not care? I, mean, I like Turner for just pure shot stopping, but I, I don't know if that's just – I don't know if that's, like, fallacy at this point. We haven't seen enough of Stefan to know if he's on par with Turner from a shot stopping versus, like, uh, circumstantial mistakes. I think that he's more risk-prone coming out of goal, or he, he will just handle the ball in a nonchalant way that Turner just wouldn't like there. I don't know. This was later in the second half. There was a bouncing ball into him. And rather than him just like collecting it, like a normal person would, he like takes it off of his chest and, and takes a little touch on it in front of him before he like scoops it up. And it, it doesn't add anything to the game. It's like, why are you doing that? Cause <laughs> stupid stuff, dumber things have happened to the United States in qualifying <laughs> to be behaving like that in front of goal. So that's my only risk with him. I mean, or he's not doing the Higuaita like scorpion kick clearance, but correct. But <laughs> not there, yet. 
Well, even th- in Nations League, there was the <laughs> that defensive header that Sargent had when when Stefan came out the challenge for like a punch on a cross, and he completely whiffed. Like he makes a couple of tough decisions there. I think just standing in front of goal and there's a shot on the way. I don't know if he's that much better or worse than Turner, but his decision making is what scares me. Yeah. So I I think that I've, I'm I'm falling sort of on the uh, on the idea that like until and unless we get more data from Stefan, you just go go with Turner because Turner at least you can game plan around his strengths and weaknesses, um, and and you can go from there. But anyways, so at the center back position, I, I, we 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 talked about this a little bit last time, but um, it feels like we have a locked in starter there who's not who we thought it was. Um, you know, Chris or uh, Miles Robinson had sort of outside of one catastrophically stupid moment against Costa Rica. I feel like he's had what six straight like lockdown games. Right? Yeah. Um, sorry, the the sound effects are kind of cracking me up at this point. <laughs> Professional <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think prior to I don't know World Cup qualifying started, we all just assumed it was Brooks and somebody. And now I think we're at the point where it's probably Miles and somebody. If if Chris Richards gets a few games, maybe it maybe they become like the pairing. But at this point, I don't really know. I think I think I didn't get a chance to watch, but I think I heard Brooks had another rough game today with Wolfsburg as they lost to uh, Light, uh, Salzburg in the Champions League. So yeah, I don't know. he was he was responsible for their third goal for sure. Um, but. But nobody on Wolfsburg looks good, and they, they're not going to look good until the Peppy train arrives in the station. Oh, I hope it gets derailed by IR. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But anyway, so, so I think, I think the, the sort of looking at this, this window, um, Walker Zimmerman is clearly, clearly in the top four of the defensive um, depth chart. And I think, I think it's possible that we do have a, a clear top four. Um, like, is is there any real argument for for anybody else at this point? I mean, it's it's Miles, it's Brooks, it's Chris Richards, and then who's four? You're, so you're saying Zimmerman is four, or are you saying McKenzie is four? I think I think Zimmerman is four. Okay, I think those are your five, though. Unless is Aaron Long getting close to being healthy again? How long is he? How long is he I think out? he's out till next year, sometime. Yeah. I, I don't I wouldn't be confident that he can like get up and get fit in enough time to play meaningful minutes at the World Cup, but I've been wrong before. We're also when it seems like we have a extremely strong option and then a couple of pretty good options by you know historical US men's national team pool standards. Like if if we were just like shuffling through guys and everyone looked atrocious, well then yeah, like a eighty percent Aaron Long might break in. But he, he's at the end. He's getting to the end of his career. There's some talent that's in front of him, and I think that is only going to get better. So, right. also, the thing about Aaron Long is that Aaron Long's whole thing was that he was fast as shit, but he just ruptured his Achilles six months ago. Like, I don't, I don't know that he's going to come back 100. percent Yeah, and Miles Robinson puts in some really impressive recovery runs, so I think he's got that element to a back line covered. Yeah, I mean, if your if your whole game is speed and you rupture an Achilles. I I don't want to say your career's done, but your high level appearances might dry up pretty quickly. What a weird career, really. Yeah. Well, because he had all of those years of like rumors to mid t- middle table Premier League clubs that 
Red Bull would never sell him to for whatever reason. I don't right, know if they were playing, holding out. He was playing like midfield for like Portland's B team, and then I think Seattle's yeah. B team, and then finally found a home in defense. I don't know. Yeah. Weird career. Yep. Yeah. Hopefully, it's not over for him. Yeah. But interesting, kind of a what could have been. Yeah. I mean, he. I. I, th- I think the thing is with him is that if he doesn't rupture his his Achilles, I think that he's a a guy who definitely carries us through qualifying and probably to Qatar. But um, unfortunately, I think that that's that's probably not going to happen. And I think, like, unfortunately for him, um, you know, Miles is is as fast as him, but better elsewhere. And you know, Richards and McKenzie and and whoever else are are coming quick. So. Um, hopefully he recovers and makes a whole lot of money and, and that's that. And it is yeah. sad to lose another guy who looked like he could have been a charter member of Cobra Kai. True. <laughs> are, are, do, do we have it on good authority that, that him and Matthew Hoppy are not related? <laughs> this is like angry uncle. <laughs> um, so, so I think that that's sort of the, as we stand, that's sort of the, the, the group. I, I don't really want to do depth charts because rotation and whatever, but I think that that's the group, right? Like, that's the group of five that you bring in. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, maybe um, Miazga breaks in. Apparently, he's playing really well for uh, in Spain over there for Alaves or whatever that is, but who knows? I, I don't think that, that um, Greg rates him. Like, I, I think that at a certain point, like, you see who he brings in and you see who he doesn't, and I think that, like, Miazga must have lost a coin flip to Ariola for like a permanent spot on the team. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I haven't really heard that much Miazga conversation since earlier this summer. It does kind of seem like he's fallen off of Greg's radar. And like what, during the Nations League, Miazga was there and he didn't play. Yeah, and that's think, true, isn't it? I think he came on for like a two minute cameo or something. Yeah. Um, it's a weird one. Yeah. So another another like player who conceptually should be here and and is not, but whatever. Um, so at fullback, I think fullback is is uh, we can we can talk about collectively because I think that um, this is an example of someone not being there, rocketing up the depth chart pretty quickly. Well, I think we kind of so the the way the example I like to use and um, some guy on Twitter who was a disgusting act eighty four, which I'm assuming is a, a weird reference to. Randy Moss, but anyway, I so. anyway. Um, <laughs> like a lot of football teams have like a swing tackle, you know, like if the left or right guy goes down, he can kind of go in at either spot. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that Scally can be that for our fullback position. So like he, he can take care of, you know, uh, Anthony Robinson's spot at left back, or he can fill in for dust at right back. And maybe you can kind of like split the minutes between three guys but he's got to get in there and he's got to get in there and, you know, show what he can do with the U S first, but he's been very impressive at, uh, at Gladbach. Yeah. So I, I think that, um, I think that that's sort of the, the idea with Scally is that like, if we're going to rotate, I think, you know, having, having someone who can cover both at a high level would be good. Uh, especially since Greg doesn't seem to be all that interested in bringing a ton of people into camp. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the, the group of fullbacks, I mean, Dest is – he's playing right wing for, for, for Barcelona at this point. Like, he's apparently the guy who gets to take over for Messi, which fun. 
Um, Which is amazing, too, because I think Barcelona has spent, what, like a quarter of a billion dollars on wingers, like type guys, oh, and they have their they spent $30 the, million dollar fullback playing wing. They, they, they spent, spent that, like, on just on Dembele. Yeah, <laughs> like, they spent a quarter of a billion on Usman Dembele. I mean, they've got Dembele, Coutinho, I don't, I don't even know who the other guys are, Pe- Pedri? Is he, um, a, is he a winger, too? And Sufati is hanging out there. Yeah, Fazi Fazi is. I think I think uh, I think uh, Pedri is is more of a midfielder. Okay. Yeah, but those guys are both I mean, home homegrown, right? Yeah, yeah I Fazi, think those guys are from La Masia. Yeah, yeah. Um, but well, like, Griezmann not... couldn't slot in. Yeah, Dembele was not Griezmann couldn't slot into that position. Yeah. Yeah, but Griezmann was never was just... supposed to be a winger. No, he's. He... He he's one of my favorite players probably in the world, and he's one of the most difficult players to slot into like a conventional formation. It's it's kind it's of like tough. a like a nine and a half. He went right. He, he, he went would be great in like the, calf. I don't know if you saw that. He, no. He 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 kicked a Liverpool player like square in the face. <laughs> I see no problems here. And it was, I thought I read something though on Reddit, and this was in like a Barcelona like fan thread about it's more of injury related why he's playing so far up the field right now. They still think longer term he's gonna end up back at right back. I mean, I, I thought you were saying I Griezmann. I was like, what? Oh no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm talking. About, I'm talking about Dest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay, that I, makes I don't, more sense. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'll, AC, you, you posted that heat map of well yeah he basically played as a right wing anyways like who cares um well i think the thing is with with the way that the american system works is that we get all of our attacking width from our fullbacks so in possession dest plays as a right winger because he's super advanced and he's super in charge of those like crosses or cutting in or whatever because our normal right wingers um is is reina and he wants to play centrally anyways right Mm -hmm. um so, so I think that uh, I think that it's like it's not that big of a deal that he's playing in a super advanced position for Barcelona because for our purposes, like, fine, you know, we, we need him to be an offensive attacking threat, anyways. Um, so I think I think the the you know I mentioned it last time, but I think that that if you're going to bring five fullbacks, um, Shaq Moore is not one of them. Um, but I I guess like who who is the the second left back if Scally's a swing. And Yedlin is is always going to be there as sort of a, a veteran. Like, who's that fourth or, or fifth fullback who's like the, the backup left back? Or do you just roll with four with the understanding that Scally is the backup left back? Yeah, I don't know. I think you can. I, go ahead. I was going to say, there's no one in the as a pure left back that I want to bring past Robinson. I think that Scally is the backup to Robinson. And heaven forbid we do like a double dip on an injury. Well, then you do, then maybe Dest has to play on the left and you play Yedlin and I don't know, pick another, I'd be more excited to have someone like Cannon in camp than George Bellow had that great nation's league appearance, but I don't know if he's quite ready for it. I think right. you bring five cause you have to, and two of your, <laughs> your, your, two of your right backs are the backups for your left back. And that's just kind of the way that you have to live with it. Right. I think Sam Vines is getting close to being healthy. I wouldn't hate seeing him get a shot to back up Anthony Robinson, but yeah, I think right now you're starting Dest and Robinson and then Scally is probably your first backup at both spots. And then you bring Yedlin, you know, in case of catastrophe. And if you really, really, really want to bring five, you bring Cannon. 
Right. And then you bring Yedlin and Cannon, or you bring Cannon and Vines, or you bring Moore and whoever. Like those two guys hopefully don't play much. Yeah. Right. The, yeah. the fifth guy should be break in case of emergency, like at best. Yeah. I, I, I think I think that so so again I think that we have like a top three here with Yedlin on the you know on the bus and whoever the fifth guy is doesn't really matter. Top three and a half. Yeah, that's cool. I'm good with that. Um so so moving on to the, the sixth, which is our ever present issue. Um Tyler Adams is really good. That has been borne out in every single time he plays, even though he had a catastrophic mistake in the uh Leipzig PSG game. Um Someone, someone put together a compilation that was like a pretty good distillation of like Tyler Adams is fine, chill out. I think it was uh, USMNT Stan on Twitter. Yep, um, that sounds great. Yeah, so so obviously he's the one, but like Ben, you pointed out something that like I think is a good point, which is that Berhalter doesn't like trying people out in new spots for the national team. You said it in the context of Dest, but. You know, I right. think that that means that Acosta is just the backup six forever. Or at least I mean, until there are friendlies. Until they can try somebody out there, yeah. But, like, that, Acosta was also just, like, a disaster against Panama. So, I don't know. I, at this point, you, you just got to hope Adams is healthy. Because I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do without him. Like, the midfield just I, doesn't function without him at the base of it. Yeah, you can't play, like, a lone six if it's not Adams. I think just just the unfortunate reality you either play Adams and then you can do your your dual eights or whatever you want to call it or you have to play basically two guys next to each other and hope that you you know can create from the front right without Adams honestly I think the best bet might be to throw an extra center back on there and do the three at the back thing yeah and then you have extra well, what you could do in that scenario is you play you play uh, Brooks as the the center of the three, and you you have him step up to be that distributor, anyways. And so, in in possession, it looks the same, and then you just sort of you have that extra coverage for counters. Do you really want right. to put that I, much more responsibility on John Brooks, though? I mean, or at, at maybe, this point, that really. makes me nervous too, because it when not if, but when I mean, Tyler Adams will misplace a pass every so often. You the closer to goal you can keep Brooks, the better. Like I do not want I don't want him to have to turn and run thirty yards when he like leaves a pass short and right. he turns it's center. Well yeah, man. It, no, and I ahead. think I think what Burhalter tried to do is you know how some basketball coaches and like when they have a second unit, they just put out five guys and let them go for, you know, three or five minutes or whatever like the time is. I think Burhalter tried to do that against in the middle game against Panama and like those guys just weren't up to it. So you're going to have to do the thing where you like do partial, you know, you can pull two of your starters and rest those two and then pull another starter. I don't know. I don't think he's going to be able to do like the line change rotation and get away with it. And, uh, unless like, you know, it's a really bad team at home or something. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like the difference between the Toronto Raptors and the Houston Rockets from a couple of years ago where the Raptors had an entire second unit where you could just put out all five guys and be like, all right, it's your turn. And the, the Rockets had to try and balance, like, Chris Paul, Dwight Howard, and James Harden, where none of the second unit could be trusted on their own. So they all had to go with, like, mix and, mix and match with the first-teamers. Yeah, and that's, that's probably the way to do it. But also, I think that we're done, and, and someone correct me if I'm wrong here, I think that we're done with the, the three-game windows. So, you know... No. 
Are we no. done? Nope. Oh. We have no. one two game window, and then we're back to two three game windows. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. So, so never mind. The three man back just scares me because I just don't. I don't feel comfortable with Brooks or Sands in the middle of that anymore. I would think that you'd at least be spending a little bit of time when you have this team together for a life without Adams formation. That seems just like a conventional four, two, three, one. And you just gut your way through it. I guess, but he just it's, hasn't done that at all. Like, I know, but I think that run. he needs to, I, it's, it's one of the more conventional things you see in the world. And it's just not, you just pull one of the other eights and say, you're sitting a bit back. And the guy who stays advanced stays high and just like, Kind of shuttles laterally, trying to find the ball. Again, this I don't is know. America, I, I just, we don't we don't do conventional. We're, we're changing it's the just, way that people people see soccer. Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, <laughs> That's yeah. the correct response. <laughs> yep. Um, so I think I mean I think that that the, that the answer to the backup six being us talking for ten minutes about center back <laughs> is the point. <laughs> yeah, you don't have a backup six. Yeah, so there I think yeah, I our think, backup, are we, our we need a backup six T-shirt is answering a lot of questions asked by this current podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's too our backup six is two fringe formations that none of us can agree upon. So <laughs> things are going great. Please stay healthy, Tyler. Um, yes. So that's, yeah, that's the takeaway. Uh, the takeaway is is score a lot and score early so that he ends up playing 180 minutes, but across three games instead of two. Yes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, yes. So, so then, in terms of the 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 eights, um, obviously we have our starting, you know, our starting two are clear uh, in Musa and McKenney. Um, the the hope for Reina to play as the as the eight down the road, I, I don't know that we can really consider yet until we see it. Um, so, I think the the, the real question is is um, one of the big losers of the last window in terms of stock is is of course. Um, Sebastian Legette. So then who are the other two eights, right? Because you get you gotta bring four at least. Yeah, Busio's I mean, the first one for me. Exactly right. Like Busio, I mean, he kind of pulled the De La Torre, like look good for ten minutes, then everybody's like losing their minds. So but he is playing well for Ven- I'm just gonna call him Venice, all right? I'm not I'm not Italian. I'm, he's playing Venice, well. In, he's playing well in Venice. So Some like of, we could really most- use some we could really use some more depth at one of those eights position. One of those eights. Yeah, I think the, those I think uniforms that... are gorgeous. Oh, yeah, they, they are really nice. Are. Ben, if oh, you say boy. it with your hands, it sounds more like <laughs> Venencia. Um, I, I mean, I watched most of his game yesterday against. Uh, uh, they played Fiorentina, who's like firmly a mid-table Serie A team, and I, he looked good. He put in tackles. He hit. Really, really nice through balls and, and lob shots like onto the feet of runners. Um, he did kind of pass, play the pass that started their goal too, right? He, yeah, yeah. He he looked 
good and i mean based on some whatever algorithms some of these websites use he's been pretty consistently scoring as like their highest rated player this season he's looked good Uh, for a bad team it's that's the thing is that like even though venezia is like not not great they're they're clear of relegation zone for the moment um and having like a locked in starter in Serie A as your backup eight is like a pretty cool idea and i think we should do it right and mls mls guys have got to be looking at that other spot and like thinking you know what that's like you're not knocking tyler adams out you're not knocking whatever but like that's an achievable goal for you know cole bassett or eric williamson with a hamstring or whatever yeah, and, and, and I think that there's there's uh you know some more some more options there uh that we haven't exhausted, but we'll we'll see who gets called in to the there there was reports of a camp cupcake in December. Mm-hmm. Um so we'll see who from MLS gets gets brought into that one. Uh you know, maybe Cole Bassett, maybe Sean Davis, I don't know. Uh but so I think I think who's so so who's our our fourth guy? I mean, is it going to be Lejet? Is it going to be Del Torre? What are you guys thinking? I mean, what do I want it to be, or what do I think it's going to be? Yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> I want it to be uh, De La Torre. I think it's going to be Lejet for I mean, all the reasons that we've you know articulated before. Is Greg tends to go with things he's more comfortable with, and I think at this point he's more comfortable with Lejet. Did you see uh, Lejet's trend line the other day? By the way, I was I was like screwing around with some of my numbers, and uh, like I was kind of like just compiling like the grades I've given people over the course of 2021, and Lejet's is a very steady downward trend for pretty much pretty much all of 2021. It's it's not going great for for Seba. Great. Well, like, and that you know, like that's one of those times where it's like you know people really love like. Uh... Like the eye test, the eye test. Well, the eye test is super useful, especially when this like the data like back it up. And yeah, I think that like we all thought like yeah, like, that looks not good anymore, and that's borne out. Um, so I guess I guess the 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 consensus here is we want De La Torre. We think it's going to be legit. Is that is that about right? I think you'll probably bring both of them, and had to like put money on something i would say legit's the one that's going to get time that's so one we, of the weirdest things i've, I've found with burhalter though is that you know you think he would bring both of them but he never seems to max out who he's bringing into camp and i guess that the idea of that is trying to give more significant focus and time on the guys that are there but like this seems like a pretty easy one to bring both and i'm not convinced he's gonna do it yeah I think so, and I, I guess like uh, I just so I, we don't get yelled at on Twitter. Um, Julian Green is now being mentioned. And- <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Julian. You're a fine professional. It's just I don't think you're going to have any more time with the U.S. We 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 love you. You were awesome that one time. See you later. That was a great goal. <laughs> I like uh, you as a friend. <laughs> we'll always have Brazil. Uh. Okay, so um, so the wingers. Um, I think that we we had a recalibration of the of 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 our understanding of Greg's um, depth chart this window in a in a way that I think all of us were pretty surprised with um, because the top two are the top two. It's it's Reina and Pulisic as long as they're healthy. 
Um, neither of them are healthy, so you know who else is there is pretty important. And um, we all thought that the backup two were uh, were Aronson and, and Wea. And it turns out Paul Ariola is a plus on Wea for reasons that are um, unclear to anybody. Okay, so let me let me lay this out here because I'm not making a defense for Paul Ariola because I would like it to not be him as well. But imagine you're a coach for a second and you spend like two days going over stuff and this is what's doing this situation and this is what's doing this situation. And you have a guy who is, let's just say he's 15% worse than your other option, but you know he's going to do what you coached. Like he's going to do exactly what you said when you like in the way that you want it or whatever. And the other guy, you're like, you know, not sure he's going to follow instructions. I'm not sure he's going to do what I want. Like, I think that's where we're at with Ariola versus Wea. Okay, but my quibble there is 15% worse. All right, whatever percent you want to put on that. <laughs> uh, well, I, you make a good point with coachability. That's why Legit is in camps. That's why Tim Ream is in camps. That's why they sometimes see the field. I think that they know Burhalter's system really well. From what I've heard about Legit off the field, is he's a very cerebral, cerebral guy and really understands the game and Burhalter is kind of the same way where he I saw some quote that he talks pensively about the game, but like, that's kind of how he is. Like he, he's emo. He, <laughs> well, he, he, he likes everyone to know that he understands like the, the trials and tribulations of, of lineups and, and uh, executing on the field and, and the, the things that happen against us and why we have to react a specific way. And I think that legit kind of is on that same, same wavelength where he really s- studies and, like, of course, as a coach, you're going to love that. Who wouldn't? So I think that's why these guys keep cropping up. And I don't <laughs> – I, I, I very much doubt, and, and maybe some of it is, they just are very good at following their instructions, but they probably prefer in his system because they track back and their they're off-the-ball rotations are exactly how he wants them to be, and that's, like, what gets them on the field. Unfortunately, it hasn't <laughs> really worked out to, to goals and assists from a production standpoint, but I have to imagine that's what's going on here. Right. I mean, I've actually had communication with a coach, like a soccer coach at a, you know, a fairly high level that someone like, hit has, the, the 97 one <laughs> <laughs> uh, has, has told, like has communicated to me. They're like, they've seen situations rise in games where like we went over that in practice and like the player doesn't do it. If you know, there's a player that's going to do it versus one that like maybe doesn't all the time. I can see that. Now, that being said, I, I still want Wea in there over Ariola. I mean, I think last game kind of bore that out, but like that's mm-hmm. at least the argument for it. And well, I think it's also the classic like coaching to not lose your job instead of coaching to necessarily win. Paul Ariola, in theory, doesn't lose you your job because he does what you, what he's supposed to do, and he like knows the system. But at a certain point, like you've used up enough goodwill that you kind of have to start coaching to win. Well, it's also like the young player is going to grow. Ariola is what he is. So, like, maybe you live yeah. with a mistake from way on now, but then he wins you a group stage game in the World Cup. Whereas Ariola ain't going to do that. Right. right. Especially in 2026, which is like on home turf and everybody's going to be hitting their prime. Like, I want to know that Tim Weah knows what he's going to need to do in that situation. I don't really care if Paul Ariola knows what to do because he'll be like 36 and then 35, something like that. 
Uh, he will be a uh, a very spry thirty. Paul Ariel is twenty four. Twenty six. It's it's yeah five he, years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry. You're Math right. is hard. <laughs> I'm a lawyer, not an accountant. <laughs> I can't do, you that. do this for me. Um. Uh. So so I think I think the the thing is with with that is like I I totally get that I totally get the idea that you play the the older player who does what you want him to do but. I think given given the 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 difficulty that Berhalter has in getting the ball in the net, um, like you got to play do players that. who who will who will do shit right. Like we we always go back to that. Like Clint Dempsey does shit. Like we need we need well, players who can who can make things happen. And Paul Ariola doesn't make things happen. A vastly preferable. All right, so with way Ariola because that's like the that's who we're talking through here. With the, either one of them on the field, I don't expect to be conceding a ton of goals to anyone in CONCACAF other than Mexico. But, like, truthfully, like, I just don't. Like, oh, Wea doesn't track back hard enough. Well, you shouldn't be, you know, playing against the ball against Panama in the first place. Um, right. A much more preferable game state for a 70-minute sub is Areola coming on to run hard and do, like, everything he's coached to do trying to kill a game off when we're up 2 nothing, than it being 0-0 with no threatening chances or wasted opportunities in front of goal. And then you're like, way save us. Like, yeah, I agree. But Ariel and legit, I think both can be very valuable. Like lock it down. Don't do anything crazy. We've got a one goal, two goal lead, recycle possession, defend, do the things you're told to do. And they'll execute on that at a level that will keep us like structurally in control of the game. But so if they're it, like, it, go ahead. keep going. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Keep going. No, no. That I mean, that that's effectively the point. Like that, that's what they do. They, those aren't the guys that you want to, you know, have a bouncing ball in front of them in the twenty seventh minute. You know, on the edge of the six yard box that you've got a volley. Like you've got to hit those chances in international soccer. Well, and do the it. other thing that the other thing to think about maybe is I think uh, maybe Joe Lowry brought this up on TSS. Like, what if Ariola is in there to just wear guys out? Like go run for 60 minutes, Paul, and, like, just exhaust the, the left back and the, the left center back, and then you can put on a fresh Tim Weah to go actually win the game. Because yeah, the, I don't... the U.S. does tend to win these games late. I like Kevin's method more, where they're more of, like, solid bullpen arms than we're, like... Ariola at this point, is kind of like a junk ball starting pitcher, or he could be a very solid situational reliever. And I think he slots better as like the the rock solid situational reliever. Are, and are, I think are that way that, that Paul Ariola is a loogie. Uh yeah, essentially. <laughs> I mean Wea can Wea will stretch entire defenses as well. Like he's more than a willing runner. Like he works very hard. Like that's the other thing too is I don't understand this argument of oh it's not like is bad at tracking back or isn't a willing defender. Like the dude Back, he, he chases the ball hard. Like he, he plays extremely, extremely hard. So it isn't like we've got some lackadaisical guy who's just trying to do, you know, rainbow flicks and score worldies all day. Like, I don't know. He's a tough player, too. I just don't think that Ariola has the, the technical ability to justify the start. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. I, how did I end up arguing for Paul Ariola? I hate myself right now. <laughs> I'm just, I'm oh, just no, saying, I, like, he's not a match winner. <laughs> You're not putting a Paul yes. Ariola on and being like, he's going to go win it for us. Whereas if you put Tim Weah on, I think you have that chance. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. The, the, 
the only wingers we have who aren't willing runners and willing defenders are probably our two out and out starters because neither of them really like running in behind defenses and neither of them like tracking back. Geo's maybe a little bit more willing than Polistic, but not by much. So we're, we should be in theory, argue, we're arguing about our third and fourth choice wingers <laughs> about and, and, who, who can yeah, run and, harder. And we've talked about this, like, like you bring five and I think that this yeah. is the group of five. Um, yes. The problem is, is that if you're starting two, are not there, then you can start getting into, okay, well, is, is Paul Ariola starting three games in a row? Or are you getting into a situation where, like, you know, who, who, who is actually the, you know, the sixth winger who you need to bring, which I guess is some argument between Matthew Hoppy and who I, I, I suppose we'll talk about in the next, in the next part, um, or, or Conrad De La Fuente, or uh, who knows, you know, somebody else. Serginho Dask, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I, th- I think we're good with that group of five as sort of the five that you bring, right? Yep. I can yeah. make my piece with it. Yeah. All right. So, so then you, you get into the, the, the center forwards. So the group is now like pretty much a question, right? Like, it's, yeah, it's pretty unclear. I, I, I don't know if any of you are watching the, uh, champions league, but up in Benfica, um, center back just buried in own goal. Like, like way way stronger than he needed to. <laughs> like um, a little match fixy. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, if, if if the line on this Bayern Benfica game was one and a half, I would be very concerned. <laughs> um. So, anyways, um, but it's center forward. I think I feel like we've got we've got one guy and then five people to to be the the second two spots. So, you know, Ricardo Pepe is is the guy for the foreseeable future. I think. And um, I saw he has got a foot injury. So is that a foot injury or foot is that injury. a foot injury? No, that's a, that's a, I'm injured until I go to Germany. He can't go I, to Germany until January though. Yeah. But the, the MLS season is over in what a month. Is Dallas the season already over? Or are they going to make the playoffs? I think they were in like in uh, eight. Yeah. They're, they're a, they're a selling club. They don't, <laughs> they don't, they don't make playoff runs these days. Yeah. They're in, they're in, they're, they're nine games back of, <laughs> They're not making the playoffs. Yeah. Okay. So they've they've got what one, two, three, four, six games left. Five games left after tonight. I I don't think that they're going to let him get hurt over five games that don't matter. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's the right answer for him. And on a separate pod, we need to walk through the the amount of of European talent from the FC Dallas Academy that's now featuring for the U.S. national team because it's. It's getting pretty impressive what they're turning out. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, so in any event, the so the the backup nine options, and, and and you're picking three from this group. I mean, uh, Ben, you can you can talk about Zardes's his game, but you're talking about Sergeant Pifo, Zardes, Poppy, I guess. Um, I'm, am I missing anybody of note? DK, DK, right? Um, Honestly, I would love to see Jesus Ferreira be an option. Like Ferreira. that guy's been killing it for uh, Dallas, but I don't even know if he's a, a realistic shout at this point. Don't they play him deeper too? Yeah, he plays yeah. more of like a traditional ten in a four-two-three-one. You know how sometimes when you're watching YouTube and like one video ends, it just like auto plays. And I was mm-hmm. watching some soccer-related content. Somehow I landed on some 
friendly the U.S. played. I don't know during COVID times, based on like the the uh, stands being empty. But it was like Ferreira starting as like the striker, <laughs> and I'm like, when did this happen? Like I completely forgot yeah. about that era. Was that Juliana's penalty game? Yep. Ben, an empty stands could yeah. just be in Tampa. You don't know. True. <laughs> so. So, so I think that, that Ferreira, sure, we can include him. I don't think that he's a reasonable option, but we can include him. Um, I think your idea is bad, but sure, why not? I mean, I just, like, he doesn't play as a, a striker, and, and it appears that, that Greg has given up on the deep-dropping false nine idea. So, you know, whatever. But so, so based on, on the, 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 the window, what do you think about Zardes, Ben? Uh, I mean, he is what we thought he was. Dennis Erickson dot gift. Crown him or don't. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, I've... he runs hard. He knows where to be, and he's just got cement. He's coachable. <laughs> he's coachable. very coachable. He's very coachable. So, so what are what are uh, what's our three consensus? I mean, I I would say that I, I do want to bring back Sergeant. Um, you know, as much as, as he struggled for club form, I think that he's he adds something that Pepe doesn't. Uh, and I want Hoppy in there because Hoppy has a swagger that that I think is hard hard to replicate. Is one of you robbing a bank again? I'm very sorry, y'all. <laughs> Do crimes, everybody. Do we crimes. wholly endorse doing crimes. But don't get this, this, The streets of Denver are alive. Um, I think. I, I, other than Pepe, the only player that I'd be like quote excited for to see in that pool is Hoppy, just because of his attitude and his willingness to go at people. Everyone else, I'm, I'm kind of meh on. Um, none of them give you positional flexibility. Like the other bonus to Hoppy is you're kind of carrying an additional like backup winger, like in case something really crazy happened. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I, – I mean, I don't really care if it's Zardes. I don't think that DK showed enough to be like, oh, he should be on the field over Zardes. Right. I don't think any of the forwards are good enough to justify carrying an extra one. So, at yeah. this point, you're probably talking about two. So, it's going to be Pepe and blank, whether that's, you know, Sargent or PIFO or, um, I, or Zardes. I agree that I'm – I then after be that, you're, Yeah, then after that, you're just <laughs> – going to have a winger that can be you know it's either way or hoppy probably as like the winger slash forward right well then maybe that's the argument for peppy zardes and then hoppy just because again he can slide out i i don't know i think i think that 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 hoppy is sort of that like he can play both and break class in in case of emergency for both is is fine as far as i'm concerned well plus Um, you know zardes has played right back so uh he's got that going for him that's true that was a thing that happened. Um, so, so are, are we thinking that, that Zardes is probably the guy to back up Pepe? Sad God, sign. <laughs> Whatever. Please, dear God, no. I think that the, what's very telling about this conversation is just how lackluster things have gone for Sargent at Norwich City. I mean, yeah. you think you think about where he was and, and how bad things were for him from a club standpoint at Bremen, and it was like not like they were going to be this high flying team scoring four goals a game. Like they're going to be fighting, you know, middle table or worse. But 
if he was showing anything, we'd all be like, oh, he's absolutely our number two. And yeah. he's he's just not. It's, I, I feel for the kid. Hopefully well, he, uh, his, he straightens his man- out. His manager is still pumping him, trying to get him going, though. Farka just keeps talking about how great he is. I, I don't doubt. I mean, you can see when he's playing well. I mean, he connects play really well. He's clearly technically gifted. He has to be. I feel like almost in a way you can get stranger aberrations in game time for strikers in particular, because you've really only got to pop up for 30 seconds every 90 minutes and do one thing right. And you're like, oh, you're high. But in practice, when you're running through drills, I mean, these how many how many one time volleys do you think these coaches have watched and take, or how many how many times has he had to play with his back to goal and collect a, like a ball with a defender, you know, draped all over him? I'm sure in practice he has to show well, or coaches wouldn't keep taking chances on him. It's just right. tough and for it, him that it's it's, it's not translating it's, into games. It's so weird at striker you can play like crap for the entire game, but if you like fall down and a ball goes off your you know, rear end and gets into the net, you had a good game. Like the other, you know, 99% of the game, you could have been terrible. And that, like, that's the narrative. So, like Sergeant, I, that was, I think, does all of the other stuff well. And he just has yeah. not figured out how to score at a high level yet. I mean, really look at the, at the games that Pepe's had where he's been very, you know, when the U.S. soccer media has came around, like, oh, he's the guy. No one had a good first half at Honduras. And then he you know strung together a couple of passes bangs in a goal and you know it was his you know coming out party and then same kind of thing in that first half against jamaica like yes we looked collectively better as a team on the ball but peppy like didn't touch the ball like the first half yeah and then pops up you know and scores too and once again like he's the guy so uh, striker's a weird position to evaluate yep so, uh, so all of which is to say it's peppy and shrug emoji. Um, can, can we have a brief conversation about Burhalter at this point? That's what, that's where, that's where I was going to go. That's where I was going to conclude because I wanted oh, okay. to bring up your very, very nicely made chart. <laughs> it's all color coded and stuff. Yeah. Green <laughs> is good. Red is bad. I had accountants help me. <laughs> so, I was gonna say, so simple a Michigan State grad can understand it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Self-burn. Those are rare. A couple weeks so early for that kind of trash talk. Uh, well, actually, at, 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 at the time that we are uh, recording this, because it's Sunday afternoon, it is hate week officially. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, so, so let's talk about, let's talk about uh, Burhalter. All right. So I'm confused about Greg Burhalter because, like, what do you make of him at this point? Like, there's, I, I don't need to, like, read the pro and con chart, but, like, he is clearly good at some things. Like, the team loves him. He's created a good culture. Um, he has, you know, been pretty successful in, like, bringing guys into the program. The defense is great. Like, if you – I don't want to go through numbers because listening to somebody read numbers is boring. But, like, they're giving up, like, two-thirds of a goal a game, which is, like, Atletico Madrid good. It's, yeah. like, really good. So, like, he's got all these things going for him. But then, like, he seems bad – at evaluating talent a little bit. Like, I don't know, but his selections there are confusing. They can't score half the time. Like, he, his, if you look at, like, his resume, so to speak, it's not great. He got fired from a second-division Swedish team, and then he coached, you know, Columbus, like, fairly successfully. But it's not like he's 
you know, winning the Champions League w- with the, like you know, Porto, like you know, like Jose or something. So it's just, I don't know what to make of him. I think I think the answer is is he is what he is, right? Like he's a good defensive coach uh, who's who's um, who got clear limitations. Yeah, like it's, I think I, I think it just is what it, like it's it's I don't think it's any more complicated than that. He's a good and defensive a good recruiter. Coach. Yeah, he's a good defensive coach. He's a good recruiter, and he cannot coach an offense. So okay, you know I, I think that'll probably get us through qualifying, and I think it'll get us bounced in the round of sixteen if we if we're lucky to get that far. Right, and honestly, like in the group stage, so the World Cup for the United States is basically get out of the group stage and then see what happens. Yeah. And even in our absolute, like the best we've ever done, we kind of backed into the group stage. So like in 2002, we beat Portugal, which everybody remembers. And then we, I think, tied South Korea. And then we lost to Poland. Like in that yeah. game three, we needed help to get through to the group stage. And then we just happened to draw Mexico, who we've played a million times and knew we could beat. So like the best we've ever done was kind of us backing into the, you know, the knockout rounds and then drawing a team we knew really well and could beat. So like, you're telling me that couldn't happen. No, I mean, I think it certainly could. I think it certainly could, but um, you know, with, with, I think that that's the goal of 2022. And I think that for Alter, like you, you talk about like, what are the goals for this program and what are the goals for this, for this team? I think the goal for 2022 is make it out of the group stage see what happens in the round of 16. The problem is, is that, you know, I, I think that there's this like un, unsaid as, assumption that like, for some reason he would be the guy in 2026, which I don't think is at all valid. No. You know, I think, I think 2026, you're looking at, at, at somebody very different. So, you know, I, I'm, I, you know, in the same way that I've, I've said, it's like, he's a clear, you know, he's good at what he's good at. He's bad at what he's bad at. And this team has enough talent to do what it needs to do. He's supposed to get us to a specific place, and then once we get to that specific place, you know, all of the all of the accolades, all of the thank yous, you need to step aside. We need somebody who – we need daddy to come home. Well, and, you know, Berhalter is very into the positional play thing. Like, I watched some of uh, Manchester City over the weekend with uh, Stefan, just because Stefan was starting, and, like, there were moves on the wing that – reminded me a lot of what the what the US was doing over the break like they kind of had that overload on the wing where they kind of created a, a gap between the the right back and the center back and like had some stuff there it looked a lot like what the US does but i'm thinking maybe like i i don't mean this to be a shot cuz it's not but like pep knows how to teach that better than than um you know Berhalter does and he can you know get those patterns taught not just because not just because he has more time but because he's a better teacher but if you get to the point where the u.s is at least passingly familiar with that kind of play and those kind of patterns then in 2023 when you bring in you know jesse march insert coach here then they're not starting from zero they're starting from wherever wherever greg has left them at yeah there's an yeah. I mean, there's part of that too, where even if he teaches the patterns the same, like there's player limitations as well. Oh yeah. And that's, I mean, that's part of it too, is I think his biggest, I, I think that he's a fine, I think he has a, a deep understanding of the game. He recruits well, like all the things that you guys just said, correct. I think that maybe one of his issues is that 
like you said that he's a big believer in like positional play. I think that his like firm belief that that the system or his system can get the job done and, and players are more interchangeable parts allows him to get into trouble like he does against Panama where oh well I can rest my guys because on paper I'm still going to put a superior team on the field to what Panama will have I mean man for man they still were generally speaking but then you get into this possession-based movement-based system and you have guys out there who that's just not quite what they do and it comes off looking terrible you could probably replay that Panama game with those same exact players and instead of trying to play the system Re- reshuffle the deck, shove them in a four-four-two block, and they'll go get a they'll go get a draw, or they'll hit something on a counter, and you'll end up winning the game. Um, but he, I don't think he ever would concede, like uh, strategically to do such a thing. Right. I don't remember who this quote is from. Um, for, forgive me, but there's some some pro athlete. I want to say it was a baseball player said, "If you think the egos in the locker room are big, you should look upstairs." So yeah, like. Not in a bad way, but I'm sure Greg is very confident that if they do what I tell them, this will work. Yeah. I, I think that – yeah, go ahead, Asa. I, I was just going to say, like, yeah, that's that's fine and good, but um, if they can't do what you're telling them to do, then you're a bad coach because you well, got to that... put the people in a position to be successful. Like, asking Kellen Acosta to be uh, Kevin DeBrina is, is it's not – you're not going to have a good time. Right. And like the, the thing for me, especially the Panama game was like, I've said this before, but I'm a teacher. Like when I explain something, like I'll spend 10 minutes going over something and then I'll be like, all right, guys, get to work. If there's like two kids that were like screwing around and whatever, not paying attention that don't know what to do. I don't feel bad about that. But if like 80 percent of the kids like look at me with blank stares and like, wait, what? I'm like, ah, crap. Like, I, you know, I did something wrong. And I kind of feel like that's how the Panama game went. Like, it wasn't one or two guys having a crappy game. It was everybody. Yeah, that that tracks. How you doing, Coach? I'm doing great today, Coach. Do you know why I'm doing great? Tell me. Because I get to make podcasts with my friends using the Anchor app. It, and, well, you know, I, I get why that makes you happy, but certainly you have to pay for the Anchor app. You know, you'd be surprised to find out, completely free. Completely free. But they say nothing is free. Well, apparently podcasting with your friends can be through the Anchor app. Wow. Well, you know, I'm, I'm sure that it's like you got to have some like super complicated studio or editing software, right? You know, I can't say that confidently, but since you're the one that edits all of our podcasts, I'm fairly confident any moron can do it. Well, you know, any any moron can do it because, again, I do it. Now, that doesn't mean that you can edit well. You can. I can. I don't really know how to edit. But you can do it through the Anchor app. It supposedly makes it easy. You're just not that good at it. It's all right. And we, when we say you, we mean the royal you, listener. Not just you, Asa. Uh, or but, you, Greg. Right. Uh, and not just you, Greg, you, Greg, but you, Greg, Greg Burrell. Who, who I assume listens. Does, do, do we have confirmation that Greg Burrell listens to the podcast? We have confirmation that a Greg listens to the podcast. Why do we need the second one? I mean, you certainly don't need an extra G. No, that's just right. that's incredibly wrong. Um, but, you know, people listen to our, our podcast and they... 
they listen to it all over the place. So does that happen by magic? It, it might. I don't know how we got a Czech Republic listener. <laughs> well, I think it's because the Anchor app distributes via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It does. It's very easy to find. I've been able to find it on at least two of those services. And, you know, isn't that what the whole point is? Spotify, Apple, Google. Our what more do you need than those three? Right. Our tech overlords have made it clear that that's what you need. So that's what you need. What, what do you want? Um, so here's, here's probably the biggest question. Um, it is well established that you get pray, paid in breakfast tacos. Yes. Um, but if somebody wanted to be paid in perhaps fiat currency, such as dollars or pesos, could they do that through the Anchor app? I don't personally understand why they would choose to do that. But yes, the Anchor app is willing to pay you in fiat currency instead of breakfast tacos, if you are so inclined. We're, we're, we're just saying that if you wanted to trade your podcasting voice for fiat currency that would then be used to buy breakfast tacos, you could do that. That's your choice. Your uh, ideas intrigue me, and I would like to sub- subscribe to your podcast. And I can do so using Google, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Just go to Touchlines and Touchdowns and click that little foul button, and you'll hear from us twice a week, every week. Every week. Um, so it sounds like this podcast, which is very professionally done, is all done in one place through the Anchor app. It sure is, which makes bridging our four different time zones a hell of a lot easier. Sure does. So do, do you want to do you want to do the call to action or do you want me to do the call to action? Be my guest. <laughs> this is a professional podcast. So Dear for listeners and friends, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Uh, do not put anchor.fm slash TLS underscore N underscore TDS um, because we don't get anything from it. So just go straight to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app so you too can trade fiat currency for breakfast tacos. That's really the dream. Of- Are you, are you are you on a plane? I am outdoors next to a freeway. Uh, that's not at all obvious. No, it's not obvious at all. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's no, good. I uh, I'm at the uh, <laughs> MGM National Harbor, and their outdoor area is next to the freeway, which is something. <laughs> I I uh, no disrespect to the MGM. Uh, family of gambling casinos if they want to pay us money but i feel like putting a casino next to a to a uh a freeway is like beneath them right hey it's it's, it's on brand <laughs> how you doing stumpy i am doing fantastic how is everybody else we're doing great uh notably dear listeners stumpy is actually his proper name on the chat today which is oh. weird it's not his proper yeah. name. It's Greg. His proper name would be Gregory S. Saradarian. Do you think that his middle name is Saradarian? What is his middle name? I think he thinks it's Stump. <laughs> <laughs> Gregory S. Saradarian, uh, relative of David S. Pumpkin. I was going to say. There's a middle uh, so now? 
just in the weeds with Gregory S. Saradarian. <laughs> so, um, so I, I suppose we'll talk a little bit about Michigan, but just uh, listeners, um, we're not going to talk too much about Michigan because we're going to do a huge mega preview pod middle of this week. Um, so I want to talk about the game of the weekend, uh, which was, of course, the 20 to 18 nine overtime game. So it was just an, an initial question. Do we are we all in agreement this is the funniest game of all time? Yes. Ooh, yeah, I mean it's it I don't know if it's the funniest, but it's certainly like the most on brand funny, right? <laughs> like, I mean, it was pretty funny. It took them it took them nine overtimes to score a combined eighteen points. Thirty eight, but yes. Still somehow no, that's in the overtimes. Oh, he scored twenty during regular regular uh, time. Good call. <laughs> good, good call. You're right. <laughs> um, I, yeah, and, and I think it's so funny because, like, I mean, obviously, like on brand, they took them nine overtimes to score a total of eighteen nine overtime points. That's a, that's a correct assessment. <laughs> but I think the funniest part about this, at least from my perspective, is that like. They decided to change the overtime rules three years away. ago. Yeah, three years ago, and like those overtime rules were were fun, right? Like, yeah, like old college overtime used to be like fun, stupid, and now it's like, what are we doing? Just stupid. stupid. It's it's stupid, stupid. It's no longer fun, stupid. It's just stupid, stupid. It's, I maintain it should be every new overtime, starting with the first one, should be fourth and goal from the fifty. I want to see Hail Mary after Hail Mary after Hail Mary after uh, <laughs> fucking ladder. No, see, like, the thing is, is that, like, that would be interesting. But I think that this, this like, essentially uh, PKs, not to go too into the brand here. But, like, it's like, hey, we're going to do super high leverage moments over and over again. And if you fuck up, it's going to look ridiculous. <laughs> and that's what we did. Like... And, and, and it's not like, like, just to be clear here, it was not good defense. No, it was just, no. it was just like incompetent offense. It was, it was like very James Franklin and like very Illinois, but like also I think Lovey Smith would have won that game at least in the fourth overtime, at least <laughs> he would have done something I'm, really dumb and it like would have, it would have caught frames off guard. I mean, the, the, the funniest part about this was that like Penn State like opened with Philly special failing. <laughs> Like, they were like, okay, like we're gonna because end this Clifford right now. Dropped it. He he was completely open. That could, we could have been done with this in ten minutes. Uh, but see, like, but that's the point is that like when when you have this situation, like I'm glad that they did this because properly done, <laughs> properly no no seriously, like properly done, this is actually like a pretty efficient way to end a game. You know, like it's one play at a time, back and forth. Like fine, whatever, but. <laughs> It's, like, it's efficient in that way, yes. The efficient yeah. way to do it would be to allow ties and do what the NFL did, which wouldn't be as much fun. No, but... no ties. Ties are bad. <laughs> no, the efficient way to do it is to have both offenses at both twos doing it simultaneously. Ooh. That way, no, neither side know. Yeah, neither side knows whether they like just won the game or just preserved their uh, chance to win. Do you know what I think they should do? I think that they should give you a chance to uh, kick kick an extra point, get one point. 
<laughs> because then you have someone like cowardly kicking an extra point missing <laughs> and losing a game like that. Which team can scare their college kicker into being a college kicker? Right. Like there, there are so many opportunities here, but, um, but so, so that, that actually sets up what I think is, is possibly like the greatest. And, and this is only from a Michigan state perspective, the greatest possible uh, way for Michigan state to win the big 10 here would be Penn state somehow guts out a win against Ohio state. Uh, Ohio state beats Michigan state, Michigan state wins all their other games. And then Michigan state needs Michigan to beat Ohio state in order for Michigan state to win the big 10. Which I think would be the funniest, funniest possible last day scenario. <laughs> would they tank on purpose just to deny it? Like you get into those questions. <laughs> um, but I guess other games happened. Like there were a bunch of like almost games. Like that. That's what this. This felt like a moral victory. I, I think someone tweeted that. Like moral victory Saturday. Like yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. You know like there Navy. Was, what, three separate. <laughs> Top ten teams that were trailing at one point to unranked teams. Yeah, oh, I, I think this leads directly into Kansas. Four. It was Kansas. four. Because... Their administration just like begging everyone, like, please come to the game because we're almost going to beat Oklahoma. <laughs> and <laughs> please like, come to the game. <laughs> still lost at home by double digits. Which, granted, <laughs> yeah, it's as Kansas. As soon as the crowd showed up. <laughs> yeah, be, and you know that there was like some like lit major who's a freshman who's like, I've never been to a football game. All right, fine. I'll go. I'll go. Gets there in the middle of the third quarter. He's like, I'm never coming again. <laughs> You've lost me forever. So um, I, I know the answer is probably no, but does Kansas sell beer at their stadiums? Because, like, that tweet should have included, we will give you one free beer. Yeah. Like, that's I, a pretty I, good incentive, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I see no reason not to do that. Um, you know, Tennessee football aside. Um, <laughs> but so, so like that was, that was an almost game. O- uh, Oregon almost gacked it up to UCLA yeah. twice. Yeah. Um, I, I, I got to tell you, like unbiased fan here. Uh, I mean, like I have like a soft spot for Oregon, I guess. But um, it looked like Anthony Brown was trying to give that way, game away. You have the <laughs> ball, you have the ball with a minute left and it's second down and you throw a jump ball in the end zone underthrown like is there any other thing that you would do to try to lose the game but like be like nope wasn't trying to throw this one that's entirely possible yeah that's that's right at the top of the list of throwing the game but not really throwing the game right like like he's not like obviously doing it but you know it's like maybe um but yeah four four different top 10 teams were were losing to unranked teams um at some point uh, in like past, like the first drive, um, Oklahoma should have lost to Kansas. I mean, I like, no, I don't know. What, well, yeah, but like, I don't know the rule on that, uh, that handoff thing on fourth down. You know what I'm talking about? Oh. Yeah. 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 Like, like I, I don't know if that's against the rules actually, or if it just should be. Um, and I say should be not because. I, I believe in more rules. I just think that um, any any situation that makes Kansas beating Oklahoma more likely is something that I want. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's just like for the fun. There are just no for the size for teams wearing blue. Right. Like, like it's, <laughs> it's like like how the, the, the Big Ten will just change the rules so that Ohio State wins. Like, I'm cool changing the rules to make sure that Kansas wins. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, the are are you trying to speak Kansas football school into existence? Kansas, uh, in our lifetimes, uh, was ranked top two in the country in November. You when? forget that. In 2007. 2007. It, the, also, the answer to the question of when did that weird, stupid thing happen is always 2007. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, that was Kansas but, number two. That was Rutgers number two. That was Missouri number two. That was uh, West Virginia going to the national title game until uh, randomly Rich Rodriguez's offense scored nine points against Pitt. Um, against Pitt. Jesus. Yeah. 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 Damn. Damn. Also, Pitt, like, what's up, Pat Narduzzi? What's happening here? <laughs> well, uh, see, the thing is, is that it's, it's, a, it's a situation where I think Pat Narduzzi teams are always more or less the same. Like, if you were going to give them a rating in, in, like, a video game, they would always be an 86 or something. Whatever. Whatever number you want to give it. It's yeah, just, and then they get another six points for a competent quarterback who can put the ball in the right place. More or less. But yeah. the, the thing here is that I don't actually think that, that Pitt is significantly better than they always are. It's just everybody else is significantly worse. Yeah, the ACC is horrible. That could be true. Like, yeah. so it's like, so it's like we're sitting here, like, oh man, Pitt, Pitt is finally putting, like, no, they're not. They're the same as they've always been. It's just like this also applies to Wake Forest. Correct. Although right, so, I, I got to tell you, Dave Clawson being good is is something that was always going to happen. He's he's <laughs> like no no like subtly and 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 people don't talk about it. He's probably one of the best coaches in the country. Um. And he does something super annoying that we all make fun of, but he he's like if you look at his history, he wins every single time he he takes over a job. It's just yeah. that he never stays very long. Um, and this is like the longest he's stayed in for a while. And the dumbest thing, and the, like the unfortunate for him, for our purposes, what he's going to be known for this year is somehow letting Kenneth Walker the third transfer out. <laughs> um, yeah, which was its own stupid weird thing. But so if Kenneth Walker doesn't transfer out. Wake Forest playoff contender? Question mark. I mean, right now they're a playoff. I mean, contender. they currently are. Yeah. yeah, because the thing is, is that they're going to be. I mean, barring some Narduzzi magic, they're going to be an undefeated, quote Power Five unquote champion. So, like, are are you really going to keep out undefeated uh, ACC champ for uh, one loss? I don't know, Bama, one loss Oregon. Yes. Yes. I, mean, I, I mean, yes, but that is how you said, like, <laughs> this, this is this is how villains are created. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, so I, I have a question about Pikmin and Lions Twitter. How many weeks until Lions Twitter is like, okay, we're tanking for Pikmin? I don't know who Pikmin is. If you're talking about P- Kenny Pickett, who's a different guy Pickets, entirely. Pickett, Pickett, <laughs> my bad. Very um, professional podcast. Yeah, he's look. It's the the fact of the matter is is that this is a horrendous year for quarterbacks, and the, the yeah. Lions have picked picked a really really good year, um, as always. Although actually, the last time they tanked for a quarterback, it was Matt Stafford. He's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that was a good year. Um, good year for a quarterback. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I think the the answer this year is actually Malik Willis, which is horrendous. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, let's not take a quarterback from Liberty <laughs> number one overall. I mean. Can you think of a more Lions thing other than taking a wide receiver number one overall, except for the one time that they fucking should have? <laughs> I mean, also taking the, you know, the can't miss left tackle in last year's draft and still somehow managing to fuck that up. It's pretty Lions. It's pretty Lions. Um, pretty Lions. 
We so we haven't talked about a, a top ten um, undefeated Power Five conference team that uh, lost, and that's because Oklahoma State doesn't matter. Moving on. <laughs> uh, uh, but so so the other uh, the other thing I guess that like happened is that uh, NC State was was sort of making a little bit of noise in the ACC. I don't know why we're talking about the ACC so fucking much, but. Uh, because it's like mildly uh, relative to everyone else. <laughs> yeah, it's like like nothing else really happened this weekend. No, like, this weekend was awful. Not like, like well, there, one very fun thing, and everything else was like not that interesting. And 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 we knew that that was going to happen. Like sometimes those weekends turned into things, but like like for example, the the top Oklahoma State lost as a top ten uh, undefeated team on the road against a, a two loss unranked team, and they were they they covered. They want they lost and covered in that scenario, which like says everything you need to know about how this weekend went. Like even the fun yeah. things were like bad. Yeah, um, not fun. But then like next week we have like the big not not just Michigan Michigan versus Michigan State. Don't we also have Ohio State and Penn State? Yep, Ohio yes, State, Penn I State, uh, Iowa, Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin. Oh, that's going to be awful to watch. <laughs> yep, uh, Iowa, Wisconsin, and then. Um, uh, cocktail party, I think. Florida, yeah. Georgia. Yeah, that sounds right. Cocktail party. So you have a oh, also coastal coastal Carolina lost. We haven't talked about that because that happened midweek. But uh, sorry, Appalachian State comes for all of us eventually. Special thanks to our guests, Kevin. Uh, who you can't find on the internet because he doesn't believe in it. He lives in the woods, uh, is somewhere in the uh, the West. I, I suppose we've said that he lives in Colorado multiple times on this podcast, but somewhere in Colorado, probably in the mountains. Uh, ben, who you can find at halfspaces.com, as well as at BL Herald on Twitter. Um, Angus, who you can find on Twitter at jburger90. Uh, co-host Greg, you can find at Mr. Mojo Rising 89 and you can find all of us, but usually me, uh, at the corporate podcast handle at TLS underscore N underscore TDS, where we're talking about uh, anything and everything. So if you add us, we'll probably respond. Um, we don't have an Instagram. We're going to get that up and running shortly. Uh, we also don't have a TikTok, despite people telling us that we should, because we don't really know what TikTok is. Um, Thank you to our sponsors, the Anchor app and the Smith Workforce Management Group. And thank you to you, the listener. Uh, So please like, subscribe, share, give us a review, five stars, all that other fun stuff, wherever you get this podcast. Um, But we couldn't and wouldn't do this without you. So thanks so much. See you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.